Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host for a special US Open preview edition with my man Rocket. He's sitting across there virtually from me. He's had a busy day, but it's the uh, couple of days before the US Open. So we thought we'd get together for another episode. Looking forward to catching up with Rocket. Rocket, how are you, sir? Welcome back to another episode of, uh, this is your podcast, mate, the Rocket Edition. How are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks, Roscoe. I tell you what, oh, never gets old, that, that intro music. Who, who doesn't want to bop to that whenever they hear it? Woo! <laughs> uh, I've, thought, I've thought about uh, changing it a number of times, but uh, I've had had enough uh, positive uh positive vibes from it myself and i do like it and it's an original it's my piece of music uh it was made for me by a very good friend uh, who lives around the corner brett kingman if you're listening you won't be listening but uh thank you one of australia's great guitarists he just whizzed that up you know what it cost me that uh, theme tune rocket you know what it co- you know what it cost me couple short breeds well let me tell you the full story if you've got a minute, it was in the very, or obviously the very early days of podcasting because I hadn't actually done one yet, but I knew that I had to have some form of intro because everything I'd read said, you've got to have an intro. And uh, I said, oh, okay. Anyway, Brett is a long-term client of uh, my wife. Brett has a hairstyle like mine, which is like, you know, two hairs and a blind one. Um, but he is very loyal to getting his uh, hair shaven on a weekly basis at uh, my wife's barbershop. One day I was in there sweeping up the hair as I'd like to do maybe sometimes on a Saturday morning. Um, just uh, to get some uh, extra brownie points before I go off the golf rocket. And, um, oh, Brett, can you make me a piece of music for this podcast I'm doing? I've got no idea, but uh, can you do that? He said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I could probably whiz something up. Uh, What do you want? I said, oh, you know, this sort of feel. Cool. Anyway, he says, I've got it done. Uh, Let's just talk about how much it's going to cost. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, yep. No problems. He said, well, it was a full day in the studio, and I was just like, oh, jeepers, weepers, rocket. What have I done? I've, en- I've engaged I've, I've engaged one of Australia's, you know, finest touring guitarists, expecting he was going to do me a, you know, mate's rates, and, you know, he's just told me that it's a full day in the studio. And he played it for me, and I could see exactly why, you know. Like, it wasn't just guitar. It was the whole kit and caboodle in there. And uh, he said, um, uh, young man, it'll cost you a bottle of Laphroaig. Done. Done. So I quickly shipped myself off down to Costco and got the best value bottle of Freud I could find, Rocket. Anyway, enough of the frivolities. Thanks for listening in. It's, uh, there, there you go. Just a little bit of trivia. It's a big week for us in golf, Rocket. You know, we were excited for the PGA because we had been starved for majors action for a long time. Well, it hasn't been that long. Now we've got the US Open and the US Open is the real deal. It's one of the majors of the majors. You know, the PGA was great for us. Unfortunately, has has that status of the fourth major. The US Open is, you know, it's it's no the Open to me, but it's probably the second one. Maybe the Masters is the second one. But anyway, the Open's, open's the real deal. The US Open's the real deal. It's at one of our favourite places to look at. One of your favourite architects of all time. You're probably going to give us the ins and outs of Tillinghast. It's a big week in golf, mate. US Open. Oh, and at Wingfoot. Wingfoot. My first um, experience of Wingfoot, again, why is it these courses and heartache? Oh, I keep forgetting about it. 
It's where the Shark hold the 40-footer on the last to make it into the playoff with uh, Fuzzy Zeller and ended up losing, you know, the 18-hole playoff the next day, 1984. Um, I don't know, why do we find these courses where the Shark has got some heartache? At least heartache everywhere. Um, but oh, I cannot wait. Oh, I cannot wait. This is going to be... This is going to be awesome. Um, you know, the restoration that one of my favourite architects who we were talking about before this um, uh, recording, Gil Hans, and what he's done to the course. I've watched every Wingfoot video about what has happened. Um, I've got up on the screen the soon-to-go-live streaming webcast of Gil Hans' um, Guide to Wingfoot. Uh, I've listened to podcasts from one of the historians from Wingfoot who talked about um, he was the brainchild behind the restoration why and the lengths they went to. Um, and you just look at you just look at some of the footage and the before and afters and, like, it's just amazing. Like, they've, they've taken the course right back in time to what it was like when it was first built. Obviously, some some of the trees have grown and stuff like that, but he's, they've restored this faithfully back to its original point, mm. strategy, everything. But, you know, it's just it's going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be so hard. I cannot wait. It's going to be carnage. There's going to be players just losing their minds, and it's going to be the person who is the best ball striker um, has their short game on song for the week and is just able to be patient and realise that each hole, they have to play each hole. Uh, it sounds like, you know, cliche stuff, but it is really one hole at a time and it's just a war of attrition. That's the thing I love about US Opens. It's just who can outlast everyone else. Mm. Well, I think it's going to be like the sixth time. I could be correct. I'm sort of sort of counting and guessing, but the sixth time that the US Open's been at Wingfoot, so it is synonymous with uh, with US Open venues, you know, Baltus Roll, Wingfoot, all seem to be up and around that sort of part of the world there. Well, you just picked another Tillinghast one. you got Baltus Roll, yep. Lower and Upper, you know, Beth Page, yep. obviously in New York. Yep. Um, you know, they're the primary ones. He did a lot of his work there. Um, but, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. It's the ones that, you know, they're not every 10 years, so to speak, but they're consistent and they're ones that deliver they deliver great championships. Um, yeah, so I can't remember how many times. So this is one where I think Bobby Jones won the US Open there in 1929, I think it was. And then I don't think they played it there again. Oh, they played it another time and then 74? No, 79. No, that doesn't sound right. I think it was 74. It was Hale Irwin. That was the massacre at Wingfoot. I think he won with like nine over. Um then he had 84, then didn't get played again there till uh, 2006, where we had um, watched that again, the final round. That's so good. Um, 2006, and then we're back here again, right? But the beauty is that, you know, and this is the thing I'm loving about, especially in the last 15 to 20 years, a lot of these old classic courses realising that they need to get back to well, the original design and you've got these fantastic architects who have just, they've made a name for themselves as restoration artists. Like they make it look like they haven't touched it. And, you know, you, you go back to Pinehurst, you know, you look at what Corin Crenshaw did at Pinehurst. They just stripped it back to what it was when it was first built. 
dug up all the rough, changed how they do the sprinklers. So it's only a center line sprinkler. So edges dry out, a sandy waste, exactly how Donald Ross designed it. Um, Inverness, they've just um, done a restoration. They've got wing foot. Um, I'm trying to think of some other courses. Oh, Corin Crenshaw did some stuff at Shinnecock as well, did some stuff to bring that back to close to where it was. And, uh, and actually, I think Gil Hans has done some work at, I think, the Country Club, um, which will have the US Open in four, three years, I think in three years. So, you know, classic old courses being restored to how they were, which makes for a better spectacle, better strategy, and also helps with golf and architecture nuts like ourselves just to geek out, really. Well, it certainly is a, a greatly appreciated course. Tillinghast, uh, his dossier of, of courses is extensive. We talked about one that's not too far from there, Baltus Roll, uh, that he did do. What what stands out with uh, – what makes the Tillinghast the Tillinghast, Rocket? Give us a – give the, the listeners who might not be as au fait with the, the work of Tillinghast, give them a bit of a rundown on, on what makes this course and the other ones that they've done so special. Oh, I'm certainly not going to – profess to be any any sort of expert but in terms of you know what i know and read and um hear about others that are au fait with his work in terms of um big and bold you know so a lot of his greens can be big bold complexes um strategy is really important um and also the, the way he's designed holes and I learned this one a little bit more from um, listening to the uh, historian for, for Wingfoot on um, Fried Egg, who've done a couple of phenomenal pieces on this. He talks about how there's certain parts of certain bunkers and things like that where um, they make it fit into the land or they make it appear like the course just continues on and it's just meant to be there. Um, and then even if you look at the hole from the other direction, it just looks like it, it kind of fits, like nothing seems out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost looks like the course could be played either direction. Um, and that would be the main things. But, yeah, it was a lot of it, you know, like even, you know, some of the videos I watch when they talk about the strategy, sometimes the strategy is there's certain bunkers that are not meant, to, they're there and it's not meant to catch a shot, but it's meant to, change your depth perception, right? So this is a bit of the old school, you know, you think of um, St. Andrews and old Tom Morris, and then you think of, you know, where a lot of these old school architects from the, you know, the early 1900s, you know, like McKenzie and that, a lot of it is about strategy and um, deceiving um, the golfer's eye, you know, trying to make them do things basically with just deception, you know, certain bunkers in a certain spot to make it look like that one's actually short of the green when it's not. It's like 40 yards short and you might might force you to play a different shot. And then the strategy, you know, the one thing that was typical at, at Wingfoot and um, Jeff Ogilvy talked about this a lot um, during another podcast he did on Fried Egg. They should sponsor me for talking about them every week. Um, but he talked about the course is hard. The one thing he gives you is he gives you an opening to the front of the green 
like there's always an opening to the front of the green. There's a lot of danger everywhere. And if you're coming in from the rough, you're actually better to be short than trying to be pin high left or right of the green based on the shape of the green, how they're sloped and the severity of them. It's, it's the strategy is actually not so much trying to get it on the green. It might be actually coming up short, which presents you with an easier shot than coming up pin high from, from either left or right. Um, and then at the same time, it's the, it's purely the strategy. Um, and then oh, actually another thing as well, kind of almost right riffing here with inf- recalling information, the, um, the historian talks about the greens and he said they're really big. Um, they've got a lot of inc- intricacies to them. He said, but a lot of them, if you pay attention, you can read them from the fairway. He said, so if, you look, if you're paying attention as you're walking up to the green, you can see where the break is before you even get there. So if, as soon as you know that, um, and he said the greens roll so true, he said, if you're really if you have a really good true stroke and you're a good reader of greens, he said, you will go a long way to um, performing well um, at Wingfoot. Now you mentioned uh, Jeff Ogilvy there talking on the Pride Egg, and obviously you know as much uh, challenge as we've had with uh, Greg Norman, you know he did bring us a whole load of joy back in two thousand and six when he won the U.S. Open there at Wingfoot. What do you remember of that tournament? <laughs> My man Lefty. <laughs> My man Lefty just blowing it, unbelievable. I'm I'm pretty sure he thought that um, Monty, when Monty's score went up, I think he. Th- I think he thought that that was his competition. He didn't realise that Jeff was Jeff was where he was at. Um, I, I I would highly recommend anyone to go back and watch that final two hours of that championship. It is it is electrifying stuff. There's so many moves and changes on that leaderboard. So many players that were contending. Even Jim Furyk was there at, at an opportunity. Monty, Phil. Yeah, Jeff. And the thing for Jeff is, you know, his his last four holes, and I know, and he's even talked about it. His last four holes were just amazing, and that chips shot he hit into the last. I watched a video clip of that again, and it's, and it was almost like it was just destined because it's it's like the old sandbelt one, right? You you've yeah, you know, it's it's off the tightest of lies to a front pin, and you just have to hit this. Just basically, it's a rooster or feather duster shot with a sandwich. Just try and nip it and have hit this little spinner that goes in, comes in low, and it looks like it's going to go flying past, but it just just grabs like it's just got some parachute in the back of it because that's the only shot he had. And it was just, and I heard him, and he talked about that shot, and when he talks about when he hit it, and he even talks about you know this is a shot I've hit thousands of times on the sand belt. And and then to make the putt, the putt was just slimy because it was still a six-footer downhill. And you're on the last. The greens were a bit they're a bit messed up as well. So there have been spike marks and all sorts of indents all over the green. And it's last hole, 72nd hole of a major, and you're thinking, if I make this, I might be in a playoff. Wow. It's awesome stuff. Actually, the other thing I did remember is I watched a clip and I thought it was funny. He was playing with Ian Poulter in the final round. So Poulter was also sponsored by Cobra, so two Cobra boys. But that day, Poulter wore nothing but pink. <laughs> he wore full pink. 
That was when uh, IJP was in full swing. <laughs> Pro- providing value for a long time is IJP. Have you seen some of his recent uh, bits of work? Well, on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, I watch his stuff every day. Was, He's one, I love him. Was I he, love his work. Do you see the one where um, he, he took his older daughter, um, Amy, so she started at Clemson University and they did the road trip up to South Carolina and um, it was nighttime and he's grabbed his youngest one, Josh, and they were doing the 100-foot putts in the hotel room down the hallway. I didn't see that. <laughs> so he's going, you can hear him whispering, going, Joshy, Joshy, come here, come here. And they've set up this bottle right at the far end of like the hallway to hotel and they're hitting putts to try and hit this bottle down the hallway and Josh has actually hit it and they're like trying to scream but scream silently in, in the hallway. It's just... <laughs> It's just, it's just so good because he just, he just has so much fun. I love it. Well, uh, I was chipping in the backyard the other day uh, in isolation down here, and oh, when he did it with the Ferrari, and uh, you know, I parked my truck there in the in the driveway, and I've got a little bit of grass there, and I chip, and you know, as I do with my short game rocket, every day is a new thing for me. I'm always trying something different because nothing, a, I can't repeat it, and nothing ever feels right. So I'm always doing something different, and uh, I was, I shanked one. And uh, I was chipping down near the car and I thought, no, I'll put myself under a bit of positive pressure here. And I shanked one into the side of the Nissan and left a dent. <laughs> and then to see him pull up, you know, with his Mercedes and then the Ferrari and just nut one through the windows. And the window, the sports cars, the windows are small. I, I, I had my heart in my mouth, but obviously it was always going to come off for the man. But uh, amazing stuff to do that uh, with those beautiful but cars. The thing is, though, I actually, I don't the, know the scary thing is that because oh, I've got a mate that owns a couple of those, the Italian beasts, I know how expensive it is to get a ding out. Yeah, well. That's I don't know whether it was you know audacity, arrogance, or skill, or one of the two, or all of them. But uh, it was appealing to me because I like my cars, and it made me feel it's worse. A, he it, has a nice collection. It made me feel worse after shanking one into the side of the <laughs> Nissan. Not into the mobile mobile podcast booth. Hasn't been very mobile of late, Rocket. <laughs> let me tell you that much. But uh, it was a great day that. Uh, when Jeff won that great day for Australian golf. And I, I remember that shot. I can't remember too much more. You know, I, watched, I remember watching the last couple of holes. I remember Phil, you know, struggling. He got into that long fringe at the side of the green and whatever else. But one thing that I do remember is that nipped chip. Uh, so pure. <laughs> it's just not a lot of, no turf interaction. It was just like, beautiful. Now, uh, let's, let's talk about what your thoughts are on the event this week. It's a good field. Everyone's there. Pretty well, much. It, it is a good – well, Pretty the shame much. is that they couldn't – They it wasn't the true sort of open because of, you know, they couldn't do all the qualifying and, no. you know, sectionals and stuff like that. So they had to kind of make it, put some lines in the sand around um, world rankings and other events and things like that. But the other beauty is that, you know, they've filled out a lot of the, the, um, the spots with – um, amateurs, so they were inviting the best. I think it was a top seven in the uh, current world amateur rankings for ones that hadn't already qualified. Um, there was a, uh, a criteria for um, players on the Corn Ferry Tour, so that was part of the you know, ways that um, Curtis Luck um, made his way in. And then there were some other things around particular events where it was like, you know, similar to the Open Championship had certain ones. If you finish in the top three in these events, they're qualifying events and, you know, you make your way into the US Open. So we're still going to have all the best players there. Um, it's not going to take away from anything. And uh, it's, 
it's obviously just going to be a little bit different for obvious reasons. Again, I, I literally cannot wait. Literally cannot wait. I think the weather's going to be reasonably good. It's going to be interesting because it's September in New York, so we, we're starting to get into a little bit of autumn. So it's not going to be hot and hot and muggy, which it can be in in the sort of the June July sort of periods in New York. Um, so it's probably going to be a little bit milder, um, which will probably make for probably a better spectacle, I reckon, and no crowds, so no backboards. Yeah, well, I talked on the Golf Rules Questions uh, podcast today um, with Blakey, and if you've listened to the Golf Rules Questions podcast, thank you. It's another one in the in the stable, I guess you could say. I don't know how to call it, but um, Blakey and I are having a lot of fun because he is the guru of Golf Rules, and obviously we talked about the A&A inspiration and, and the backboard. the use of the backboard, and yeah, it's just a backboard. It was unbelievable for me to watch that and to see uh, Miriam chip it in after – Blatantly going for the blackboard in regulation play, yeah, they all did. So anyway, I guess that's what that's the rules, and that's what they have it there. And it wasn't even a big sponsor's plinth; it was just a blue ball with a little bit of ANA and a little bit of inspiration on there. Yeah, anyway, no backboards. So who who are you fancying, uh, Rocket? You know, if we go through that field, um, you know, let's go. Let's talk about the Aussies that are there. So we've got Curtis, uh, we've got yes. Lu- Lucas with a C and Lucas with a K. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so from, you know, so we've got Curtis Lark, then we've got across the ditch, across the Dutch, we've got Ryan Fox, um, we've got Jason Day, Adam Scott, Scotty Hend, another backboard champion, uh, Lucas Michel, um, Lucas Herbay. Um, <laughs> well, he has been confused with Lucas, with Herbay before. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Herbay. And, and, uh, and, and, does and make- Matt Jones, just to round it out with a bit of n- nice, good skip name. Yeah. Um, and we've got the Leash and Cam Smith. Jeez, they're pairing them up with mates, aren't they? And uh, they're playing with Burnt Cheeseburger. Um, then further down, that's the rest of the Australians. And then we've got Danny Lee, another man from across the ditch. That's the Australian contingent. Not too bad. I, I, I actually think Jason Day would probably be the most likely to perform the best out of the Australians, I reckon. Leash is in terrible form. Those greens are going to do Adam Scott's heading. Hopefully um, Lucas has taken my hint and said, when I said go and listen to this particular podcast where Jeff talks about strategy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Leash has been terrible. Cam Smith might be all right because he's, he's got a good temperament, good short game as well. Yeah, I can't, I can't. I can't see the Aussies faring great on that on that course. There's not enough. There's not enough exposed form from anyone. Jason Day is probably the the yep. player with the most form, and he hasn't played for a few weeks because he had a pretty big stretch. I don't Jason know if we. Day. I don't know if we talked about it in the last uh, Roscoe and <clears throat> Rocket episode, but you know, obviously, I wish all the Australians the, the greatest of, of luck, and hopefully, they uh, you know, get the level of success that they uh, are looking for. Certainly. Massive fan of Herbie, you know, part of uh, part of the Herbie fan club. So I want Lucas to do well. He's, uh, you know, been over there for a little while in preparation for it. Not sure how much golf he's got under his belt, but he'll uh, he'll do what he want, what he what he does. And you know, let's hope he makes the cut and you know plays the four days. But the one that I really do want and hope the best for is Lucas Michelle, uh, fan of the podcast. You know, have an occasional chat with Lucas, and I know he's been over there for a, for a while and preparing. And so he's done a lot of play played a lot of exceptional golf courses in the recent times and hanging out with the likes of Mike DeVries and, and so on and so forth. So, oh, it's terrible. Jeez. 
you know, he's he's a he's a wonderful young man. I've, I've only met Lucas a few times, but a wonderful young man and got a great game. Has performed at the high, at a high level. I just hope that he that he enjoys the experience and, and plays well, and you know, comes back and you know can tell us can tell us a story one day about his time at Wingfoot. Well, you know, of course, like Wingfoot, you know, can do lots of things. So, you know, potentially the strategy aspect of it, you know, maybe his experience compared to some of the younger guys, especially some of the US guys are there, you know, there's an opportunity for him to potentially not only make the cut, but, you know, if he makes the cut, you know, there's a there's a low amateur reward on the end of the line, yep. which is significant in any US Open and what about uh, Len? Who do you think uh, out of the field? Who who are we tipping? Who are you? Who are you going with? Brooks. Oh, that's why he pulled <laughs> He's out. Pulled out. <sighs> what did? What was behind that? Why did, why did he pull out? Ah, the knee. The, the knee. damn knee. It must be a lot worse than um. Or it just it's not. He's not get. It's not repairing as he wants. And there's no point him trying to push it because you know how much long term damage do you do? And unfortunately, this course is made for him. Like it's absolutely made for him. This is like this was right up his alley. So it's a shame, right? But you know, I'd rather him be a hundred percent and come back and crush people in twenty twenty one than be injured and mediocre. Like you know, in the PGA, you know, I sent you. Me- I remember sending you messages. I think I sent you a message. I sent plenty of people messages going, he, his knees cooked. That's why. He's, that's why he's hitting those shots. <laughs> his knee and his groin. So, but the thing is, though, he's having knee problems, and then he starts to compensate. So he's going to have hip and groin problems because he's compensating for stuff. It's just a, it's a vicious cycle. Just as soon as you have one problem, you're going to compensate, and it's going to cause other issues. It's not good. So it's going to be a US Open without uh, your boy. You you won't be able to fanboy it up. So who who do you you know do you call on one of the backup or fanboys, uh, backup oh, young yeah, gun yeah, fanboys? Too, mate. Cole, I got on I got on Cole nice and early um, around around May. And that was so. That was before the PGA. I actually think this is. It's always going to be hard to win. First of all, winning one major is hard. Winning two majors is even harder. Winning back to back is stuff of legend. Um, but I actually think this is the right course for him because it's going to be a ball strikers course. Um, placement, patience, strategy. His short game has improved a hell of a lot. And, you know, especially his putting. And I think, you know, he's had a, he had a tough couple of weeks um, post the PGA, but that's, it's going to be understandable because you're trying to deal with, you know, maybe higher expectations and you, you probably just have to reassess. So I actually think, so for he's still my tip for the week. Um, the only other that I would probably put in and on pure form because he's, his exposed form for the last month has been, Really good, and that's um, Xander Shoffley, mm. you know, because he, he won the uh, the A grade gross championship the other week by a couple of strokes. Twenty five dollar um, voucher for the pro shop. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. He was in the ball comp too, yeah. um, and um, and uh, I think he gets uh, an extra ticket into the uh, the raffle on on the weekend mm. uh, for the meat tray. Cool. Um, so I reckon those. Those two are my out and out Colin because everyone knows I love Cole. Um, but Xander, I think, is going to be right up there. He's playing really well. He's got just a really solid game, really solid game. It's hard to uh, hard to go away from 
from that one. Rocket really, really is, you know, Colin Morikawa could do anything, but uh, as you say, it's it's hard to back up major to major, but he is a special, special player and a special talent. And, you know, I think what we've learned about him and his mindset, you know, it's certainly in the right the right spot to be able to do it, whether whether he can's another thing. What about, uh, you know, you've been um, Insta-storing and Twittering. No, no, you're still, you know, you're still off the Twitters, aren't you? You off the Twitters? I, I, yeah, I've. I, the only time I jumped on in the last two weeks was to tell Essendon Football Club that I've cancelled my membership because we're a terrible side and there's more culture in a bucket of your cool. Jeez, oh, you've probably just upset thirty five percent of the listeners. But uh, if you are an Essendon fan, there's always next year, guys. But anyway, um, you have been on Martin Climber Watch. Yes, yes, the German, the German machine. I'll tell you what, he is. Um, He's an enigma. Yeah, he's he's come close. So Valderrama, then in Portugal, just not quite finishing it. But the important thing is that he's found something. He's found something and you watch the interviews and he talks about it and he talks about he's excited to be contending again. He's excited about the feeling of being there, you know, with nine holes to play. And when you think not that long ago, you, you know, the PGA Championship – Comes out and he shoots 500 in the first round. I think he's like, not, I think he was tied for the lead. He comes out and shoots 82 in the second mm. second round and misses the cut. And you, you you start to think, you know, is he has he completely lost it? You know, you think about a two-time major championship, former world number one, a players' champion uh, chip winner, who's 34 years of age, and she goes 67, 82. I might have felt different had he put that tournament at Valderrama away, and it was obviously Valderrama was very hard for those guys. You know, you just said the scores that uh, that won, and that young American boy uh, won. But I just watching him over the closing couple of holes there, I just thought that his his little nervy putting. You know, I think it was the seventeenth at uh, Valderrama, which he should have sunk that putt and, and had the birdie, and then at least forced the playoff. You know, he has sunk probably one of the greatest putts in all time uh, golfing history at the the Ryder Cup to to win it uh, a few Ryder Cups ago in America. Uh, where was that at Hazeltine? Um, but I'm uh, just not sure that he's that he's there. But it, he's it's great well, to see him I, back. I don't mind. I don't mind that he didn't win because, like, yes, he's nervy. But the thing is, though, he's trying to remember. He's it's almost like he's trying to remember who he was. Right, and he's just going through these nervy bits, and if you're just looking at it, going, and and the best thing is that sometimes you you gain. I'm almost going to sound like Jamie here. Sometimes you learn more from your losses than than your actual victories because it's like a reflection of what are those little things I need to to just, you know, whether it be mental or technical. What are those little things I need to make sure I'm doing next time? And you saw the next time around, he's just a little bit closer again, and then, you know, again a couple of small things here and there. Um, granted, the guy that won had a blistering like final four or five holes to sort yeah. of reclaim what he, what he nearly threw away. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he was close two weeks in a row. He's found something, and as I said before, he's talking. He's talking in a manner where he's got confidence again. And I think a course like this, where it's going to be really hard, and he just needs to needs to tell himself that, you know, he's still one of the great um, players in golf. He's won two majors. He's won a US Open on an amazingly tough course, beat beat the living suitcase out of a field by 10 shots and and just go out there and just hit golf balls because 
he has the game to to contend. I agree. I still think I still think I saw some nervy stuff there, but we'll see. We'll see. But I do like Martin Keimer, and I hope. Yeah, if he, is he your smoky? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you got uh, Xander Shoffley and Martin. So Colin. Colin. Xander. Potentially Xander. So yep. I'm having a bit of an each way, but the smoky is uh, definitely Keimer uh, Island. I'm going back to one of the podcast favourites. He gets talked about a lot. He still confuses me why he's still playing at the highest level. That sounds a bit harsh. He's a great golfer. His swing confuses me how he can golf his ball, but it just works. The web. Yeah. It's a perfect course for Webb Simpson. Perfect course great for Webb. Perfect course for Webb Simpson. I think Webb Simpson will feature and could be my my pick. Will be my pick. Great call. Mm. That's, a, that's a really good call. And, uh, you I almost, know. I, I, I almost feel like I've. I've failed because that's a really good one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, well, I'll take that as a compliment, Rocket. Thank you very much. Um, a couple of Scots in the field just for my uh, friends and family in Scotland. Uh, uh, wee Bobby, wee Bobby, wee Bobby is in the field. Bobby McIntyre, 10.40 tee off on the uh, first day. Uh, the young man, Scott. Is it Sam Scott? Sam Scott. And, uh, I don't know much about Who that else one. we got? We've got another one that just made it in, uh, Connor Syme. Connor, Connor Syme. Connor Syme, he, he gets through on his performance in uh, the European, um, that uh, order of merit that they had for the yeah. the European swing there, or the, the England yeah. swing. Uh, I think Connor Syme might have um, flubbed one into the water on the on the last hole, nearly nearly threw it all away, but anyway. Um, who else? Who else? Who's my smoky, Rocket? Who's my smoky? Who's your smoky? I can't go, I can't go with another. this course rules out a lot of people. Justin Thomas? It's not really smoky, is it? No, he, he hasn't, except for, you know, that round that he had at um, Aaron Hills and his collapse. He hasn't really done much in US Opens. Mm. Um, yeah, not so much smoky, but it's not a, wouldn't be a bad pick as your, as your other one. Well, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with Justin Thomas, my other one, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Eddie Pepperell play. I'm looking forward Eddie to seeing Pepps. Bobby McIntyre. Eddie I'm looking Pepps. forward to seeing Ian Poulter. I'm looking for another one of my favourites. Um, the Northern Irishman with the most American accent I've ever heard, the GMAC. Um, <laughs> my, my other favourites are in there, Justin Rose and Rory, Tyrrell Hatton, Danny Willett. Actually, Patrick, Patrick Cantlay could be Patrick, could be Patrick can play, yeah. Mate, it's, it's going to be great. Anyway. Actually, the one, the one group I'm really looking forward to, because I think this is just going to be Giggle City, is you've got the fraud playing with um, DJ <clears throat> and Tony Finau. I reckon the USG are trolling him. It's almost like we've got the two two guys that hit it probably the longest with the least amount of effort playing with a guy who's been beefing up to try and hit it longer than everyone else. I love it. I tell you what, Bryson is not going to make the cut. Okay, there you go. Go and put 20 bucks <clears> on that. He's not going to make the cut. This course is going to chew him out. It's going to chew him out. So what about uh, Lefty? How's he gonna? How's he gonna fare for you? Oh, I don't know. I think it's like a bit nostalgic. I know I love Phil, but I, I don't know. He just he's I don't know. I, I think he's spent <clears throat> he's wasted the last two years chasing distance rather than just playing golf, and now he's selling coffee as like a health supplement. I don't know. Okay. It, look it, for nostalgia's sake. The, the scene of his greatest collapse in a US Open, the man that's finished runner-up in six US Opens and given more joy to most people 
and it's the last leg of the Grand Slam. You know, if anyone wanted to write a fairy tale, him winning this one would be a fairy tale. Not going to happen, but I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll blub up almost like Tiger Woods 2009 style if, if Phil pulls this one off. And T-Dub's in the field? Talking about- yeah, Tiger's in the field. Uh, he hasn't. He's got. He hasn't got enough reps, mm. and he's putter, right? He needs. He needs reps with his putter. That's the thing that's killing him on the greens. Like we saw that in the Tour Championship and even the PGA. You just need to knock the rust off, get the feel on the greens, because you know if you don't have any feel in tournament play, you're going to struggle. That's right? just doesn't matter how many how well you're hitting the ball. Like he can't. He can, he can come back from six months off and hit it better than most people around the planet, but it's, it's your feel, it's your touch. If you don't have it, you know, you just, you know it's too hard. It just makes the game too hard. Uh, make the cut or not make the cut? What's the cut going to be? I reckon the cut's going to be something like plus seven, plus eight, maybe higher. I reckon he might miss. Winning score? Plus two. Plus two. Jeff won with plus five. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, see them see them uh, see them play. It's going to be interesting. If someone finishes on plus two, they'll win by three. If you weren't there in two thousand and six watching this sort of stuff, you never you never saw it. But uh, there you go. You you uh, you wait to see it at the Wingfoot this weekend. Have you seen the rough? It's very juicy. It is very juicy rough. It's, they've been doing a very good job of manicuring it. It is fantastic, and not only that, they're going to the extent of the groundskeeper crew. I've got the uh, the leaf blowers, and they're blowing the grass the opposite direction. <laughs> they are going to extremes, so they're actually blowing it. So the grass, they're trying to force the grass so, yeah, to, be, to stand to up be, to be going back towards the tee. Mm. So if you're in the rough, <laughs> it's going against you. Oh, it's so good! I love it. It's going to be carnage. Well, they can't, well, they have to do that because they can't to get it. They can't cut it. You know, like you train the way to train the grass to grow a certain way is you cut it the opposite way. Well, sorry, I'm. Excuse me, oh, grass master. I'm sort of trying to talk to. <laughs> you should be telling me this, uh, the lawn, the lawn god. But uh, but you, they can't cut it because they want it to go. They want it to grow. Uh, so they need to get out there and blow it. And there you go. Didn't know that. Um, Rocket. What about the last tournament? The FedEx, the Net Club Championship, as as you like to give it in its rocket names, pretty expected. What happened, yeah? Yeah, it's an irrelevant tournament. Who cares? Like, really, it was just it's rubbish. The format's rubbish. It's just rubbish. It's rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Okay, I didn't want to end up on a on a downer like that. But was there anything that you took out of that uh, tournament that you wanted to share with anyone? Yeah, it was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll finish on a downer then, Rocket. Well, we had like the Unsafeway Championship last week, the first the first event. So they had a massive um, off season. Yes. Four days. Yes. And um, what a story, Stewie Stewie Sink. Mm-hmm. Got a leaky faucet in my Stewie Stewie Sink. You probably everyone's listening probably remembers that where was Stewie Sink's last win? Big win, the Open, oh, Turnberry. the Maddie Goggin Open. Oh, <laughs> I watched that final round again the other day. That tee shot on the par three. Oh, he's hit the best shot in there and he's hit the hardest spot and it's just bouncing that back trap. He had the lead by a shot. Oh, and he was playing with Tom Watson too. He's killing me. Yeah, well, that's what I remember. I remember that... Um, and Tom Watson's, you know, Tom three, Watson. jiggle in, three jiggle in the last. Yeah, it was uh, It was a sad day because I'm a massive Tom Watson fan. It was a great day. 
but it was a sad day. But how amazing uh, would that have been? Fifty-nine-year-old Tom yeah, Watson, yeah. winning on 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 Turnbury again. So such a, a famous and historic golf course for him personally, and the battle of the, the battle in the sun. Yeah, nineteen seventy-seven. Him but, and Jack. But there, there you go. The, talking of nostalgic win for uh, you know one of the elder statesmen, I guess not elder statesman. That's not maybe the right way, but one of the more senior players on the PGA Tour, Stuart Sink, won at the Safeway. What else happened? Had his, at the, had his son on the bag. Had his son on the bag. Was getting some words of encouragement from his wife on the sidelines, telling her how grateful he was to be there and just channeling, you know, everything everything that is good in life for him at the moment. And how you know, that? came through in a result. What else happened for you on the in the weekend, mate? I cut my lawn. Okay, relevant to the golf podcast. No. Okay. <laughs> no, not no, no. Your lawn cutting is relevant to the golf podcast, but. <laughs> I was maybe looking for some, you know, anything more about the Safeway that was relevant to the golf podcast. No, I was just ashamed that um, person who I've played golf, played interstate series with, I'd caddied for, and um, Cam Percy, who was contending, and you know, he had a bad three-hole stretch, which basically just destroyed his chances. But um, to his credit, I think he played the last ten holes in like four under. Um, to at least climb his way sort of back up the leaderboard. So he really fought back. He didn't didn't let that uh, little three-hole stretch completely destroy everything. But it was a shame because he was playing really good golf. So it was just a – would have been nice to see him, one, get a win on the tour, which would have been his first. He's been tooling away there for such a long time. He's such a good bloke and uh, he's just a really good – he's a, just a good grinding player. Um, and if even if it wasn't a victory, it was like, you know, finishing something high, you know, getting a good check getting some FedEx Cup points on to, you know, make sure you start racking up those points to secure your card for, you know, the very next season. So, and the only other thing would be, you know, there's so many fires that were going on in the US. It's just a shame, you know, unfortunately the West Coast of the US are faced with the same sort of rubbish that we're faced with here, you know, in some of our summers. So. Yes, no, thoughts to with, uh, there's a few guys that I know that are on uh, that part of the world and, you know, some of the pictures that I've seen them putting through, certainly the skies and the smoke are reminiscent of what we went through in, in February oh, and January. Uh, yeah, a friend of mine who lives in um, in Santa Cruz, I'll give a shout out, Brink, hopefully he's listening, he had to, his family had to uh, evacuate and um, so I think they had to leave for a few days before they were able to then come back um, because, you know, that's again down sort of, uh, the lower part, so you've got Santa Cruz, which is about an hour and a bit south of San Jose, a couple of an hour north of Monterey. So, and it's pretty heavily wooded up through there. So, a lot of um, uh, national forests and stuff. Um, and then the only other thing is, I'm hoping that, you know, the actually, no, it would actually probably be almost a good thing if, if the fire ripped through a lot of the redwoods up there through north of San Francisco. Um, it would actually help uh, a lot of the redwoods um, to uh, propagate. Okay. Well, there's another bit so, of sorry, sorry, a bit of bit of tree, another bit, tree bit of history. another bit of tree history and uh, tree trivia there to supplement your grass uh, grassmanship. Rocket, well done. Um, I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up on that. I think we're obviously uh, covered everything off, mate. I think we might just uh, finish up. If there's one thing to suggest, is oh, hang on, the uh, the. Uh, live stream came in on my ear for the Gil Hans thing, so I had to pause it. I thought it was you with the machine. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you know when I come in with the machine because the music's like this, Rocket. <laughs> um, 
I highly recommend everyone go and watch some of the videos on YouTube. So there's some really good ones done by uh, Ron Witten on Wingfoot, like a flyover on every hole. Um, hopefully the webcast that Gil Hans is doing, so you get to listen to what he's done at Wingfoot. And I highly recommend uh, people to go and listen to the Fried Egg podcast with Wingfoot historian. Um, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Uh, which was out a couple of weeks ago, the story of Wingfoot and what he did and what they did to try and find all the photos and, and history and bring the course back to what it is now is just, oh, it's just amazing. Just amazing. What a great course. Well, one day, Rocket, Andy Johnson at the Fried Egg will give you a shout-out because you've given him enough shout-outs. Maybe one day that should be a goal of yours and your little goal plan for 2021 podcast uh, world is to get a shout-out from Andy Johnson because you do give him a bit of coverage. But Well, maybe Andy could be the one that gives me the ceremonial tailor-made um, new golf bag or something like that. Well, I don't know if he has any alignments there with tailor-made. But no, mate. it doesn't matter, but you know, I think there's some synergies there. I can't, you know, I can't do much more. <laughs> no, but I can. I'll wear them down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've, sp- I've tagged everything to to, to TMAU. <laughs> they, they're aware. Things are tight. We'll try. We'll just look. We'll just keep trying. All right. Your people. We'll get our people to meet with their people, and you know, we'll, we'll, surely they're going to have some stu- old stuff lying around. You don't want the old stuff, Rocket, because I've seen the new stuff. I know. How good does some of the new stuff look? Oh my God, the irons. I oh, and your pod. Sorry, we've digressed. We're supposed to be shutting down this episode. No, no, no. We can my goodness, that podcast with um, with your man from TaylorMade. That Chan- was just Chandler. That Carr. was nerd fest. That was just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, wonderful guy, uh, Chandler Carr, and very passionate, very knowledgeable. And we literally could have spoken for hours. We could have went through everything of TaylorMade. And well, you, you did. You were cutting him off because oh. he was, he was, he, if you let him go, I reckon he would have spoke about, you know, how he designed a six iron for like four hours. I know. <laughs> and But the good thing is, like with Matt Bovee, um, th- those guys are so open and what I commented on, that they've been very approachable, very open to not only providing their own material to the world but also allowing people like me to, to talk to them, which was great. So we, great. Might, uh, we might get Chandler on there again one day. Yeah, no, it's it's an exciting product, Rocket. You'd be you'd be wrapped to get. Uh, yeah, you're a blazeman, but once a blazeman, always a blazeman, Rocket. Oh, for sure, for sure. Look, Rocket, we might catch up on Monday. What do you reckon we catch up? Are you watching? Yeah. Are you working on Monday? Yeah, of course. Oh, no, I know that uh, your colleagues are probably listening. Yeah, and this probably gets spread around the, the company. This is probably going yeah, out my, on the. My boss is probably listening. It's probably going out the bulletin. <laughs> I was going to suggest that maybe we catch up uh, on Monday morning when the, at the closing hole and maybe do a little bit of a, a little quick fire, you know, wrap up on the spot rocket. But uh, let's well, if I get up early enough and I, you know, output a fair amount of work, I'm pretty sure I could alleviate myself to, uh, you know, indulge in a little bit of early morning podcastery. Thanks for listening. Jump over to uh, iTunes, leave us a review. This is the way the podcast gets in the everyone's ears. We do appreciate uh, you listening into us, as always. Until next time, maybe it's Monday, maybe it's later. We'll see. But thanks for listening to another episode of the Roscoe and Rocket edition of My Love of Golf podcast. We'll see you soon. Remember, this this music cost me a bottle of scotch. (laughs) 